You know, I've always felt like I was so hindered by having a fly reel. It's just so heavy. I don't, I don't even use I, the I reel. I can't even understand how the reel works. I did hear that a Tenkara rod is the best way to teach someone to cast. You don't have the reel. You don't have to mess with like the line. It's all the same length. It's all set. I've never gone trout fishing with a Tenkara rod, but I have used a Tenkara rod before to catch like panfish on poppers. And it actually does work well for like teaching someone to cast. Mm. Can we get this guy out of here? <laughs> I guess we should say welcome back. It's been a quite a minute since I did a podcast. Coming at you live from Salt Lake. Coming, dude. This is the first podcast that I've recorded. Well, the first podcast that will come out this year, technically. So, wow, we're getting back into it. How are you enjoying Salt Lake? It's been what three months? Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say we're here in Adam's basement, also known as my house right now, (laughs) (laughs) my 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 living space. But dude, Salt Lake has been been killer. I mean. I just want, it was like a great way to get out West of like spending some Adam allowing me to, to live here for a little bit and getting a taste of it. And like the mountains, the proximity of the mountains and skiing and biking and right. fishing. It's like, it's crazy. Yeah. There's a <laughs> lot of sports to get distracted with. Yeah. Yeah. We had oh. a nice powder day earlier. Dude, we did. Brighton. <laughs> that was sick. Yeah, that was a good day. We also forgot to mention that you guys are sitting here on Brent's bed. This is my guest room. Yeah. The guest room. I'll... You got like a two hour limit. Okay. Well, thanks, for, thanks for letting me in. <laughs> in your own basement. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, this winter we're doing a bunch of skiing. Uh, we were definitely hitting the hitting the slopes pretty hard, um, and now it's starting to really hit. It's like fishing season, so it's definitely yeah. got. You're getting, getting into the small streams already, like a taste of home. I know. It's like it's literally like a, a lot of the stuff from Boone. It's very similar, um, which has been awesome. Not quite, not quite Adam's cup of tea, but you know. I want big fish <laughs> and streamers. That's right. And I'd, a boat. So I definitely get stuck in the the like big fish. You know, you kind of got to be in the bigger rivers. I get stuck wanting to chase that, but it's still like fun to go do a half day on the little creeks because it's so not serious. You don't have to bring hardly anything, mm-hmm. like one small box of flies one spool of tippet and a little three weight and like you'll have a blast i love it like three to four days a year and i'm and i'm good yeah. maybe it's because it's what i grew up doing and now like being out west i'm like i want the big fish I want big water long casts i want to mm-hmm. be in the boat even floating and waiting something like that but so <laughs> <laughs> yeah. how often you're probably more inclined to get out of the boat if you're fishing a bigger river yeah but like you put adam and i in a boat we will not get out <laughs> like <laughs> maybe for a business meeting potentially yeah lunch. if i gotta take a zoom call on the on the shore that's fine but yeah. like i'm sitting yeah. in my comfy chair and i'm casting my seven weight <laughs> dude and that's totally okay <laughs> it's totally okay you got a red beer in hand yeah, and you're good or, to go yep yeah, you can't get that far away from the cooler. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I just like to get out every once in a while. I, yeah. I do. I mean, in the summer, especially, it's really fun to get out of the boat, especially if, you know, you're like parked up and there's a cool little riffle that's like a, maybe there's a little side channel. Because you know, I always take it as like, not many people are going to get out and go fish that. Yeah, especially if it's a side, if it's a side channel that a boat or especially like a, a hard drift boat couldn't get down, then that's a great play. Yep. It works super well on a lot of rivers out here. Yeah. I wouldn't know, but 
Like sure. I'm sure it would work well. Yeah. <laughs> no taking. I'm not going right? to try it either. Yeah. But, but like I next time we're on the boat, I'll watch you when you get out of the boat, Scotty, and I'll go yeah. see how you do it. I'll bring the binoculars, make sure you're safe over there. Yeah. And like <laughs> <laughs> hey, there's a moose coming. You should yeah. uh yeah. hop on back. <laughs> oh man. But I do like the small streams uh because like you're saying you kind of can simplify things like you really barely need any gear and you need a small rod you need like a couple flies and especially i mean these fish aren't super spooky on tippet most of the time so it's like right. as long as your presentation's half decent you yeah, know you run a long enough leader you got a soft rod yeah so you'll be good to go but i mean it's the same thing i, I couldn't do it all year right you know i like having a, a variety of things but it being like accessible 20, 30 minutes from the house, 15 minutes from the house yeah. is not a bad option. If you want to just get out and fish for a couple hours. It's hard totally. To I think but. in your, in one of your last videos, you talked a little bit about it, but one thing that's pretty engaging about the small stream stuff is how technical the casting can be. And like, sometimes it's not even casting. You're, yeah. you just are finding a way for your flies to get in between all these bushes that can be pretty fun getting creative on like, okay, well I have no room to cast. Like what am I going to do? And trying to not snag your flies and spook the whole hole. I don't know. That can be pretty engaging. Like sometimes out of a boat, it's literally just like pick and slap. Pick yeah. And slap. Dude. I remember the first time I started fishing out of a boat. I, Cause I'm always so conscious of checking my bag cast and I remember kept doing that. I'm like, oh my gosh, like, so much room. <laughs> this is crazy. Yeah. I don't even know how to cast like this. Yeah, what? I, ha I have room for a back cast? <laughs> what? <laughs> What's a double haul? <laughs> I don't yeah. need that. Yeah. Yeah. I got my bow and arrow. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Exactly. But you guys just made a trip. Well, I, f I sh first should say that uh, you guys started up a podcast this year called the Ramblin' Fly Podcast. And if any of you guys are listening, if you want a little more of Adam and a little more Brent, sneak on over to, uh, right now it's on the Blue Line channel, um, yes. or on Spotify, you can check it out. Just Ramblin' Fly, right? Yep. Yep. Ramblin' Fly podcast. And Do you guys ramble on there, or what do you do? No, it's all business. Okay. Like, <laughs> no jokes. Like, no frills, uh, no jokes. No carnivals, no games. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's strictly, like, technical, in-depth data, data-driven podcast. Data, okay. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Where do you collect no. your data from? <laughs> My just, head. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you got to generate the data up here. Okay. A big old calculator up here. <laughs> yeah. Um, but what, so we've actually filmed episode 10 and I guess 11 We're and 12. Like 12 but, now, we, yeah. but Brent had a uh, computer malfunction. My computer is worthless. It's just <laughs> like it can run emails and that's it. So and then and now that's put us back from from posting some of the keep we're on like a couple stuff, month but. hiatus but yeah thanks for bringing that up we uh i'm stoked for, to have for you to have us on here and you know i've been thinking about bringing you on so this this might work out both ways oh wow thank <laughs> yeah, you we'll have to switch roles eventually <laughs> yeah dude <laughs> we'll be sitting this chair see how it feels yeah, ooh, king of the castle, of yeah. the castle. <laughs> well i think uh i mean you guys obviously because you're in different locations right now it's been mostly over like zoom or we yep. use riverside yep. right yep um so logistically that can make it tricky sometimes but i mean it's worked out so far for y'all it seems like the audio sounds good 
Well, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> We're trying. It's probably the editor. <laughs> yeah, all the, all the editor. It's like mostly just the hardware. My computer is just crushing it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're we're nowhere near your level of uh getting everything together, but we're learning and it's uh it's fun. I mean, we get to talk about what's happening in the fly fishing world and make some jokes and we do talk a little bit in depth sometimes about leaders and fly lines and fly design and whatever but um mostly just a lot of joking around and yeah it's fun a lot of rambling (laughs) yeah a lot of rambling (laughs) well i think you guys bring a unique perspective because you both have i guess you have more time so to say in the industry both you do than i do like working in the industry so to say right i've been like fly fishing and been doing wild fly and what i'm doing but that's kind of like always what i've known that and then small scale fly shop like very working with a fly shop in college, but you guys have actually like, you understand more of the technical stuff when it comes to gear, when it comes to technique and everything. Whereas I'm just like, sure. This rod casts. This is good. <laughs> What's wrong with the rods? We got <laughs> they cast pretty good. They cast pretty good. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, it is, it's interesting. Cause they're, you know, it's all the same industry. Like technically you're in the industry, Yeah, but they're, fairly well separated like the from the manufacturer's perspective versus the content creation slash marketing and more uh community side i I would think you're more on the community side and there's decent separation there but you know as as you and i hang out more and adam and i hang out more we you know we learn more from each other and and you're not far off but there is a little bit of information that doesn't cross over as much like when I go into sales trainings for G Loomis fly rods, like I'm learning about nano alloy resins and molecular structures (laughs) and whatnot. And you know, (laughs) (laughs) guys, Adam, Adam's ringtone is the Alabama theme song and it goes off anytime he gets a call. So loud. (laughs) Roll tide, baby. Roll tide. Anyways, (laughs) a lot of times I'll just listen to it go off. If I don't answer, that's what's happening. I just got into it a little too much. He's just letting it play. (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, like you're saying. Yeah. So, you know, I learn about like the hardware and the manufacturing side, but you guys have such a skill for telling story and creating visuals that, that bring, you know, the technical side to, to a, uh, you know, like something that a consumer can digest, right. That they can understand and like relate to. It's kind of hard sometimes when, you know, if I end up talking to a customer, like sometimes I'll go way too far into the weeds and they're just like, dude, I don't care. Right. Does it get the fly where I want it to? Yeah. And like, what does it mean if I have this brand on my fly rod or Mm -hmm. my waders, whatever, because that's a little bit of a, it's a bit of a thing. Like you care what the logo says a little bit. Mm -hmm. So, and you're just like so powerful at telling these stories and it's wow. Powerful is a strong adjective. Thank you. I don't, don't think I've ever been powerful described as powerful, but (laughs) (laughs) no, no, I appreciate it. I, I think, yeah, part of it's like I spend so much of my efforts and time looking into or I guess kind of like trying to hone in the craft of filmmaking, mm-hmm. right? And like understand, be, like, be a student of YouTube, be a student of the platform. Mm-hmm. So I'm spending like a lot of my efforts on that. And then the fly fishing stuff I do spend my time on, but that's usually just through experience and 
Like I'm not doing as much research maybe on like the technical stuff of fly fishing. Um, and maybe that's just because I'm being lazy, but no, no, you've only got so much time. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So I think it's, yeah, you're, because you're not maybe putting together film or whatever, you need those tools in your toolbox as a salesman to go in and like be able to talk about the rod and be able to understand it. And so that probably translates over into other gear in the industry that you use. Right. But not just rods. I think that's part of why we work well together is because it was like the two different sides of it. It's like, you don't have to know all the technical stuff. Cause I'll show up and be like, Hey, this is a good rod. Yeah. And you're yeah. like, great. That's actually why it's cause Adam knows. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, so I do that side of stuff. And then it's just like, Hey, this is a, here's a good rod. Here's a good reel. And you're like, Oh, yeah, it is. Yep. Hey, this rod and line pairs well together. Here you go. And you're like, shit, it does. I'm like, wow, Wait. this is good. Thanks, Adam. <laughs> I like this. It's actually working, like doing what I want it to. <laughs> yeah. But that's, yeah, I mean, it just kind of comes down to having, you know, that that it, it works well together having people that are on your side, more your side of things and doing mm-hmm. more of the creative stuff. And then people on more of our side of stuff doing more of the, you know, knowing a little more about the technical stuff and but we don't know how to deliver the message as well. Right. Like we can go cast a rod and feel like, Oh yeah, this line's too heavy in the front. But as soon as you get towards the belly, it's all good, but Mm -hmm. whatever it might be. Whereas you might not be able to explain that as easy, but you can sell the whole package or like make it digestible to the consumer of like this, this works and whatever. So Mm -hmm. it's kind of cool to see both sides work together. And Actually, I think one thing we were planning on talking about is how the marketing has changed. And it feels to me like sales and marketing are coming closer where we can tell the story of why the technology works much, much better than we have in the past. And I wonder if it's just because the like because you guys are paying so much attention to your craft of like storytelling and visuals along with the story that might that might be part of why we're able to tell such good technology stories. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are now these platforms like YouTube, like TikTok, Instagram mm-hmm. that are allowing people to share a message and kind of communicate like what you're saying, these things and this, this technical stuff that is applicable to your, your arsenal of fly fishing, um, your arsenal of fly fishing, I guess. And uh, yeah, so I think there's, more opportunity now, especially because more people are getting into the space of creating in our world of fly fishing, which is already so niche, right. you know? Yeah. <laughs> and so there's not that many people who are doing it. And most people don't do it full time. Like there's not that many people out there that are filmmaking just for the fly fishing stuff full time. Right. They, there are people that do it, but then a lot of times there's people who film and then maybe they'll film for like car or they'll film for another business another outdoor sports so it's hard to find that that like perfect in between where it's someone who is like dialed on filming and dialed on fishing you know but i think that is becoming more and more of a need in the in in our space right yeah and like you know as you're starting out and you're you're learning how to edit and how to change settings on the camera and understanding that whole side of things that takes away from the time you could be spending on the river learning, mm-hmm. you know, how different leader tapers affect your presentation, etc. Well, if you're spending all your time working on, well, this fly works with two copper wraps instead of one, you're probably not going to understand how to adjust the camera settings and edit videos as much. So, um, 
you know, as you get more and more efficient at each of those, you might be able to close the gap and get better at both. But Mm -hmm. that takes some time for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's something that for a while I felt, uh, I guess not shameful of or guilty of, but it was like my, my guide buddies in college were spending so much time and getting so good at fishing and like really understanding the river and understanding the bugs and everything like that. And I was spending so much time on the editing. I was still able to go out and catch fish and have a good time and do all right, you know, but, uh, yeah, I think it is, it is a bit of a sacrifice, the filming side of things, which I think is okay. I'm now realizing it's like, that's okay. You have time to learn everything. You also don't need to know everything. Right. You know, that's one of the biggest things. Yeah. Squirmy worms. You just tie that on. Yeah. And you catch fish. Learn that from you. Eggs. Oh, that works. Yeah. <laughs> you don't have to learn anything about bugs. Yeah. No entomology. Entomology is useless. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You just need worm farming. <laughs> you just need your own just, fraud and yeah. you're good. Just a worm. You're ready to roll. Yeah, Brent, what happened to your voice, bud? I don't know, actually. <laughs> so I had, hold it right here to try to like talk into the top. There you go. I had a meeting uh, a couple days ago and day before the meeting, my voice is fine. I wake up, go get breakfast, drive a couple hours to go to this meeting. And I show up and I ask the secretary, you know, Hey, like I'm here to see this guy. And that is how I found out my voice was gone. (laughs) I have no idea. I don't feel sick. It's just voice. It's been a couple days now, but I do apologize to the listeners that you have to listen to this raspiness today. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't sound that bad, truthfully. Well, I'm glad. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it feels a little different. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, go over the rambling flight. You can hear, hear what you sound like. Yeah, we can click on over. Maybe. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> let's just click over to that right now. Yeah. And then you won't All have right, to listen to All right, thanks for listening, guys. <laughs> See you later. Um, but off of like, kind of the marketing thing, because you've been in um, – you, you work with G Loomis mm-hmm. on the sales side of things you are seeing like how their business functions is strictly direct to business, right? Or what would you yeah. consider that to B2B, is B2B. versus direct to consumer mm-hmm. would be how, how we do it. Or you call it a wholesale model, but you know, essentially we make the rods, we sell them to fly shops and the fly shops sell them to the end consumer. Um, that's in the other way to do it would be, you know, X brand makes the rods, puts them on their website and sells them direct to the consumer. Um, it, it's kind of a big topic in the industry as, as we get more and more towards the online side of things. Um, but you know, I'm, I'm a big mountain biker as well. And it seems like fly fishing and mountain biking have a little more reason to stick with the wholesale model. Like customer goes to a fly shop or a bike shop to buy their rod or their bike, whatever it might be, because it's really, really hard to describe how a rod feels casting through a computer. Same with how a bike rides. Like if I'm looking to buy a new rod, I'm going to spend a lot of money on a rod. i probably want to make an educated decision and I can look up all the tech specs and, and say, this one's fast. This one's medium. This one has snake guides. This one has, you know, recoil guides, whatever. I can look at it all on paper, 
but it's really hard to put into perspective what that feels like and how it matches your style of fishing. And that's where I think the value comes with fly shops is you can go cast them all side by side and you get the local perspective of like someone that hopefully is more experienced at fishing than you. They know like they've cast more different rods. They've fished with more different fly lines. They can give you that perspective of like, well, on this river, you're probably going to need to cast, you know, 30 feet max, but it's really important to cast well in that 20 to 30 foot range. So, you know, maybe a fast action rod isn't good for that. Maybe you want a, a slightly softer rod or maybe you want to overline or whatever. It's a lot harder to do that from an online platform. Um, so I, I think that is where the real value add is with fly shops, not to mention the community around, you know, hanging out and tying flies with everyone on a Thursday night or whatever it might be. But, um, you know, the direct to consumer thing can serve some people that maybe are a little more price conscious and maybe they've figured their, what their needs out on their own. Um, and they're willing to take a chance on like, I think this fly rod will work. It probably will. So mm -hmm. I'm just going to buy it online and then I'll see if it works. Um, so anyway, there's, it's a, it's a weird time in the industry. Yeah. Cause I'm curious why a company maybe wouldn't go <laughs> online. Like G Lumis, for example, you can only buy <clears throat> in retailers in a fly shop. What's the holdup from offering both? So the holdup is like number one, our existing retailers are partners that have been on our team selling, educating, and making sure we have a good brand presence in the market, we would be taking sales from them. And, you know, that would not be a good partnership if we're taking sales from them on one end and then ex still expecting them to, like, try and go sell and feed their families um, on the other side. So that would be one thing. And then the other thing is, is again, that, like, education piece. <clears throat> it would be very hard <laughs> a little set break. <laughs> Hold on. I need to get you some tea. Something. Uh, let's see. We were talking about how the partnership works between, yeah. you know, the fly shops have been supporting us for as long as we've been in business. We, you know, they have been the ones telling the story directly to the customer about the technology story and etc about the brand well we would still be asking them to go tell that story and and like put our rods in other people's hands versus other brands rods so it wouldn't be that great of a partner move to yeah. say like yeah you keep telling the message but we're gonna sell the rods online and we're gonna take the money so that would be one very difficult thing um i suppose from the consumer's point of view, if we did go direct to consumer, we could, we could probably lower our prices a little bit. Um, but as you go direct to consumer, your marketing and education costs go up a lot more, uh, because instead of having the shop tell the story, right. we would have to tell the story through, you know, marketing programs of some sort. Um, so, but anyway, the benefit, <laughs> <laughs> The benefit to the to the consumer would be that they might have a slightly more affordable rod. Yeah. 
but if you have the wrong rod is it that much of a benefit like we're hoping that if you go to the fly shop you end up with the right tool for the right job right because you get to experience more and i mean in reality coming from sales myself it's like you're i mean the the knowledge that those the guys at the fly shop are giving is worth I mean, that's a, there's a dollar amount connected yes. to how much knowledge those guys have. Right. They cast all and, the rods. Right. They, they try everything. Right. So if you're going to go into a shop and you're going to talk to someone who is knowledgeable about something like that, like the dollar amount that you might save off of going direct to consumer is not going to benefit you. You know, it's, it's not, it's not going to. Okay. It's. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's not gonna you know be able to fill that get, fill that gap. Right. Yeah. Like the fly shop is filtering through all of the marketing noise essentially, right, right. and making your decision quicker and hopefully more accurate. Yeah. So yeah, it's a it's an interesting thing because you know <clears throat> some of the bigger brands um, get a little bit of heat about having expensive prices and it's not all just because of the wholesale model. Like they're American made rods, etc. Like there's a lot of costs that go into that, but then, you know, the marketing cost to do direct to consumer is pretty high, but I don't think there is a direct to consumer American made brand. So you're going to end up with a, a lower cost product because it's overseas, which make which adds to the like, Mm-hmm. Oh man, there's a huge price difference between these, you know, bigger wholesale brands versus a direct to consumer brand. Well, there's also a huge gap in craftsmanship when it comes to American made versus an import. Mm-hmm. So, yep. and there's, there's a lot more technology and time that's been put into a company that's like maybe American made or just has been around longer Sure, because they've had the time to develop a product over time, like years and years. And I think that is also tricky to, as a consumer to buy a rod that's $900, $1,000 on a whim right? online. You know, I mean, you go and buy like maybe a $200 starter rod, $100 starter rod. You know, that's not the end of the world. Most of those rods are going to perform pretty similarly. Mm-hmm. But if, yeah, I guess that makes sense. If you're going to buy something that is an NRX or like, you know, a you know, really expensive rod. Yeah, Winston or you Scott, want to tr- you know, whatever. Yeah. And plus, a lot of the rods that you buy from overseas are actually, a lot of the brands are the same rods. They just rebrand. Right. Yep. The, and they may put a different taper on them. Slightly different taper, different <laughs> guide, or different cork, or whatever. But in re- in reality, the like building that product, they can mass produce those because they're selling to six different rod companies the same essentially the same product yeah so the product development the product design all that kind of stuff only really happens once and then they fine-tune them and send them to the different rod manufacturers that you know of but the u.s made rods are very different because g loomis designs this rod yeah you know so all that product time doesn't get split over as many units right and if you look across the high-end brands um we're all using fairly different carbons and resins. There was a period where we all went through using essentially the same resin, but uh, the the materials are, are different enough. It's not like you're all using the same exact graphite and the same exact resin. Yeah. So yeah, there is, there's different combinations of materials that 
give a rod a different feel, uh, you know, along with the construction of building a taper. Mm-hmm. So, and I think like you're saying on the local fly shops deal, you know, obviously you want those shops marketing, so to say for you, and you really want to go to a local shop anyways, because they're going to know the best for your situation, your area, right? Instead of, Hey, calling if you live in North Carolina, calling a shop in Montana saying, Hey, what rod should I buy? It's like, they're not going to be able to tell you the best rod for your situation. Yeah. They don't know your needs very well. Yeah. Yeah. So how did you, let's start back. Like, how did you one get into the world of like working in, in fly fishing in that world? And then how did you now land up to where you are now with G Loomis? Yeah. Um, I stumbled into fly fishing. Uh, one of my good friends through high school, he was a guide and he took me fishing for the fly fishing for the first time freshman year or so. And, uh, it was like a really weekend occasional thing through high school. I played baseball and that took up most of my time and then got a marketing degree, started working with my dad in real estate out of college. And I ended up instead of working, I would just go hang out in the fly shop because I didn't like writing copy for real estate ads. Yeah. Like, so, Cause you didn't like working <laughs> mostly cause I didn't like working. Mostly. <laughs> so hmm. I ended up just hanging around the fly shop for a, a lot of the day. And, uh, eventually that turned into like, well, Hey, maybe I'll work half time for my dad, half time in the fly shop. And then it turned into full time in the fly shop. And I ended up managing that shop, um, Arbor anglers and golden for a while, which now, which is now golden fly shop. And, uh, what like every year we'd go to the <laughs> struggling let me know if you need some water too and if you if we need to take a break much we, of a we difference. can like cut out any of this you know yeah i'm trying to make it easier on you <laughs> no, yeah <laughs> but um every year we have the the denver fly show and the arbor anglers booth was right across from g loomis and we didn't sell sage and we g loomis was our premier brand which is lucky for me because i always liked fishing their rods and so anyway i worked close with them at this show and when it came time for them to find a new rep they had this experience of me like hustling at these shows and selling a lot of their rods so it was like a pretty natural fit for me to come over and and work as a sales rep um, i don't work directly for g loomis i work for a rep group but um but anyway so now that's how i ended up with g loomis and man I'm stoked. It's it's yeah. fun. I get to drive around and talk about actually my favorite rods. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, it's good when it's genuine. Like you actually have fished the rods in the past, and um, you have experience with the company too. Like, in you know, what was I going? I was gonna say um, that is also how we met you uh, right. through through G Loomis and kind of our relationship with G Loomis, uh, which is pretty cool. But what, so what does your job uh, exactly look like? Cause I know you work for, you work for a sales group and so you kind of rep multiple brands. Right. Um, but then how, like, how does that work? And then how does G Loomis fit into that? It's pre- like what I do for G Loomis, I do the same for other brands, which is basically, I just, uh, you know, I have sales goals I need to meet and I've got retail partners like, you know, XYZ local fly shop and I go in there and talk to them about the fly rods, ask them what they need. And, and if they show some interest in, in what I'm trying to sell them, I'll teach them about it, you know, give them all the information I think they need to sell the rods. And 
part of that is going fishing with with the brand or with the with the fly shops and and like developing a friendship and a relationship with them and that's probably the the coolest part about my job is that like i get to go meet all these awesome guys and girls go fish with them and get to know them and become friends and so work is just essentially hanging out with my friends yeah which is cool dude which is the best part about all this like this whole thing that we've been doing is like every time we go on a, a short bus trip or any sort of uh trip and film you know we we run into new people like you or whoever else and it's so fun because you like automatically ref, just have this connection with somebody and you've got this this like thing that is fly fishing that brings you together and um, obviously come from different lives, but you're, you can relate on something that is so niche, right. you know, which you, is fun because it's, it's good to have a community and feel like you're part of a community instead of sometimes you feel like you're just kind of doing right. it on your own. Like, am I? Yeah. No, no. You have yeah. this like this baseline understanding of each other because you know, one fairly large aspect of your life that that's driven you is, is fly fishing and figuring out how to get a fish to eat a feather. And so you, you start off with that baseline of like, okay, you and I like the same thing, at least part of us. But then you learn like, oh, guess what? Scotty also likes to bike. Well, I do too. And mm-hmm. and you can develop a friendship very quickly because of that baseline. Uh, you know, you all have the same baseline interest. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's really cool. Yeah. I've met some of like pretty much all of my best friends I've met through fishing. Yeah. We, we joke all the time how it's, we don't have many friends now that aren't fishing. <laughs> no, it's, yeah, it's hard. Like it's hard I mean, to relate got, sometimes. Yeah. So then they're talking about stuff that's not fishing, like work or jobs. You're talking about just, I don't know. It's it just, I don't know with what, where kind of where we're at, or at least where I'm at, it's like harder and harder to relate with people that don't fly fish. <laughs> I assume everyone watching this probably fly fishes, but yeah, well, or is a little um, fly curious, or is at least a little fly curious about it. But. Just hope they're not Euro curious. <laughs> you want to make a hot take about Euro nymphing really quick? Why did I you plead the fifth? You, why did they make a rod for Euro nymphing? I'll I'll defend it right now. Oh god! Oh god. <laughs> if you compare. Euro nymphing to spin fishing or gear fishing. And I know I'm you can <laughs> <laughs> basically there's, there's more of an art to the Euro cast than most people give it credit for, especially if you haven't tried it. Mm-hmm. Like it's difficult to do it proficiently. Um, I'll leave it at that. Well, you, I'll at least also say I know like you know not only does the extra length help you with mending and line management stuff, but also you get that extra tippet you know, protection. Tippet, tippet yeah. protection using lighter tippets. Plus, you do get a lot more feeling. I feel like where you're you know, at the end, you have that longer rod that you you know you could has a little more sensitivity at the end mm-hmm. than like a short rod would. So when you're mm-hmm. kind of I bumping along, I feel like I can you know it's a little more like responsive. Yeah, I think that comes down to like the vibrations coming through the the leader don't get dampened by a thicker fly line near as much because oh, yeah. the fly line would yeah. dampen those those vibrations. So you do get more direct feedback through the rod and through the thin leader. Um, actually, a shorter rod would, in theory, be able to transmit oh, more be vibrations. Stiffer, but 
Well, there you go. If you're trying to euro nymph with a short rod, you're going to be. Yeah, then it's not going to work. Either. Yeah. It, you know, you, it takes away the part of you know, kind of having that drag free drift. You want right. the length to be able to reach into that hole. Yeah. And it's deadly. Like I've done it. Oh, it's man. really deadly. It's not up. the the way I prefer to fish. I should say. <clears throat> so, and I I never want to like really hate on it because you can fish however you want. You know, yeah. I, I don't care. Um, but the casting, you're essentially not really, you're not even using normal fly line. Correct. You're essentially using mono or leader. Yep. Right. You're using the acceleration of your hand to flex the rod more so than you are the weight of a fly line or right. the lure or the weighted flies. The, the weighted flies do come into effect on, on loading the rod, but, uh, much less so than like a fly line would loading a standard rod. Right. So, and G they, Loomis just came out with one. Yep. The Euro specific <clears throat> rod, right? This past yep. year, we've got two uh, IMX Pro Euro rods, and you know they're they're purpose built. Like every feature on them is darn specific to Euro nymphing, and so it's cool to to use technology to come to like a specific purpose, which is I love that part about product design and and like technical selling is when you have real features that are specifically made for one purpose and um so that's fun but yeah we we joke around about euro nymphing but it can be fun and it is deadly no doubt yeah and people watching this don't email me about the euro rod because i know nothing about it i cannot (laughs) help you i know that i live in utah you live in utah i think people just are like oh he lives in salt lake he euro nymphs i'm gonna ask him (laughs) about it Hey, so where what Did, hold do you Euro nymph on the Provo? Can you? Uh, yeah, I'll send you. A, I'll send you a whole pin with map <laughs> with a bunch of pins. If you're interested in a Euro rod, call Brent. Yeah, Brent's or, inbox shoot, is looking shoot, pretty yeah, empty. Shoot Brent. I'm by no means email. a Euro expert. I can tell you like maybe how our rod will help the theory of how you want a Euro nymph, but like I'm by no means an expert. I've I've Euro nymphed enough to know that. There's a lot of skill that goes into like the really proficient Euronymphers, but I've even your... enough to know I don't want to do it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> All right, that should uh, lead us into Tinkara fishing. Yeah. All right, just again, so, <laughs> we're not going to go there. The, the new Tinkara Diaries Tinkara is coming rod. out pretty soon. The new Tinkara G Loomis rod is coming out. <laughs> yep. Summer of never. <laughs> I think it exists in Japan. Like I think there is a ten car rod. I'm pretty sure there's an ask with ten car rod. I'm wow. not certain on this. This could just be folklore. Interesting. <laughs> I want one. No, it's pretty don't. big over there, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's huge. Yeah, for sure. But you know, I've always felt like I was so hindered by having a fly reel. It's just so heavy. It's so heavy. There's I don't I, I don't, don't even use I, the I can't reel. even understand how the reel works. Yeah. It's too complex it's for another me. thing to break. Yeah. Like I'm out. I feel like I kinda <laughs> want to try it just to just to say I've tried it and I've done it. It's actually I will say I heard uh I can't remember what source I heard this from. But so I, I definitely I, true. It's not gonna be in my bibliography <laughs> on the at the end of the at the end of the podcast. But I did hear that a Tinkara rod is the best way to teach someone to cast because it is very simple. You don't have the reel, you don't have to mess with like the line, it's all the same length, it's all set and fixed. And like I've caught some panfish and stuff. I've I've never gone trout fishing with a Tinkara rod, but I have used a Tinkara rod before to catch like panfish on poppers and whatever and it actually does work well for like teaching someone to cast mm. can we get this guy out of here <laughs> <laughs> 
I've also done it just enough to know that I don't want to do it anymore. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mel, it would be a good tool in teaching cadence and like how yeah. acceleration and momentum would bend the rod for sure. Yes. So, and um, because like it is so long, that <laughs> it bends really easily. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It'd be forgiving way to, yes. to teach cadence for sure. You're going to have some Tinkara brands reaching out to you now. Don't reach out to me. (laughs) (laughs) Don't call me. But I I think like you were saying about the G. Loomis rod, you know, like a rod like the Euro Nymphing one Mm -hmm. being very specialized and having very specialized uh, functions for it. I think that's really important in any craft, right? Like filmmaking or whatever it is being like dialing into like your thing. Right. Right. And finding a niche like, Fortunately, I've found this niche of fly fishing mm-hmm. on YouTube somehow. Like, it wasn't a thing. You've done well at it. Yeah, we're, we're learning along the way. But it's, it's because I think you kind of have to, you have to find that thing and, and then just go all in on it. Yeah. You know, because then if you start to try to do this and then you try to do that and you try to do another thing, um, it just gets too, you get spread too thin. Yep. And I, I was explaining the analogy to you guys the other day, which I, I found, I heard this recently. I love it. So basically the analogy was comparing like a restaurant to a YouTube channel mm-hmm. and essentially a, it's a, it's a Chinese restaurant, right? Your favorite Chinese restaurant, you go in there to eat Chinese food, but then you show up one day and they have donuts there and you're like, and maybe but, you like yeah. donuts, but you're not going to the Chinese store for donuts, right? right? So with the, I think it's the same with YouTube. If you're coming back to that YouTube channel, you're usually coming to that channel for one reason, one or two reasons. Nope. And if they're offering something that's completely different each time, you're not going to come back. You know, it's just like, roll the dice. What's going to be today? (laughs) Yeah. There won't be the consistency for sure. Yeah. And it's the same with a rod brand. You want to deliver that same uh, consistency and that same uh, top tier performance every time. You know, so people know, oh, this is why I like G Loomis because every time they reach this certain standard or whatever. Yeah. And that might not just be like, well, I want a fast action rod for every purpose it might be like i want the optimized taper for this purpose like you probably don't want an extra fast rod for a creek rod you probably want a little slower rod but but yeah like you said you you go to xyz brand for the consistency and like you know for our rods i like to think that we we make them best suited for the specific purpose, whether that's a saltwater rod or a trout rod or a a Euro nymphing rod. Like we're we're not going to force the wrong thing into that purpose. So I enjoy that about, you know, the team that develops the products. I don't, I don't have a ton to do with developing the products. Um, I like to think I have a little input, but yeah, not much. (laughs) Yeah. So, but yeah, they, they do a damn good job. So what do you think is the biggest thing that sets G Looms apart from other rods in their market? The number one would be the technology that we, we use inside of the rods and like, it's not really even things you can see, uh, like the multi taper, which has turned into dynamic recovery technology is, is why our rods can be so light in hand. And like, if you talk to any saltwater guide, you know, they don't break on fish. Like our rods don't just break. Um, but yeah, the, the technology inside the rods, I'm not going to dive into like all the craziness, but uh, there is a lot of special things going on in them. And then the tapers that are made for the purpose. 
you know, we have a dry fly rod like the LP. It's got a softer, more accessible tip that's easier to set down gentle versus, you know, a streamer rod that's going to have a super powerful tip. Um, so yeah, I think it's, it's more so just building things for a specific purpose versus trying to make a Swiss army knife that does everything. Okay. Mm-hmm. Got it. <clears throat> Cause usually if you're, <clears throat> if you're coming to get a rod like a G Loomis, you probably want it a very specified because if you're going to be spending that kind of money on it, you know, you're like, this is going to be my streamer rod or whatever it yeah. is. And we make like our five weights are kind of more of a general purpose taper. Um, aside from the LP, but, but yeah, like the five weight is probably the one rod where you might buy a more expensive rod and not have a very specific purpose. But as soon as you get outside of that, or maybe your saltwater eight weight, um, as soon as you get outside of that, then it's like, okay, I'm into fishing. I'm, I'm spending most of my weekends fishing. I might be taking a couple trips a year. There's even a possibility. Like I chose my work because like the job that I took enables me to be able to go fishing. So like you're pretty far down the rabbit hole. You're going to be buying like a very specific tool for a specific job. Yeah. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, that's, it's interesting to learn about this because I mean, like if I would have just worked in a shop for a while or whatever, I probably would have understood a lot of this more. Um, but it's not really something that like always comes to my mind. I'm just like, Oh, here's a rod. Let me cast it. <laughs> right. Well, when we look at your cameras, we just see like a black box with a piece of glass on the front of it. Like, <laughs> right. You know, a lot more about what's going on inside of those things and how, you know, the technologies inside your camera are going to enable you to like show a story, tell a story. Mm-hmm. So you, you know, we just talked about the bandwidth, like you've spent a lot of your bandwidth learning the technical side of that. And, we've just been dicking around figuring out how to get feathers to place more efficiently. Dude, that's right. <laughs> well, one of my favorite things that I have actually really liked about the G Lumis rods uh, now that I've like cast quite a few of the different ones other than the Euro one is, um, <laughs> a lot of other companies that I've like that make rods that I've cast their different series really doesn't mean very much. Like I feel like it, Maybe there's different resins and whatever in the world because you you know way more about that stuff than I do. But if you like, I feel like when I go cast one of like a three weight and a five weight, it really isn't a different rod. It's just a different, like a softer action. Yeah, they don't actually change a lot of that stuff. Or if it's a company that makes really soft rods and then they try to make a saltwater rod, it's still a very soft saltwater rod. Um, versus I feel like kind of what you were saying with the G Luma stuff, like I feel like they actually change a lot more to the rod than just more material, less material, different tape, you know, we're just going to taper it quicker, whatever, but across the different series of rods, like you were saying, the Creek rod and the LP. Yeah. LP meaning light presentation, right? Correct. Yeah. And that rod is like, even though it's a, what, so it's an NRX LP versus the NRX plus. Yep. And it is a hundred percent different, right? The the taper on that is drastically different. Yeah. Yes, it's not you like you can tell it's it was designed from the ground up as a different rod. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's the exact same materials and stuff, which one it's still called an NRX. I yep, don't know. It is. Yep. But yeah, you can tell from the tapers from the ground up that it was a different rod. Yeah, and I like you know in that particular example, the LP has different furniture. Like the real seat is different yep. than than the regular NRX plus line, and. uh 
you know, it fits the vibe of more dry fly fishing than, you know, it's, it's a little prettier for the dry fly people versus, mm-hmm. you know, the, the regular NRX might look a little more hardcore. Um, yeah. 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 I like, I like the, the word you use there. Furniture. Yes. Fits the vibe. That's right. <laughs> Fits the vibe of the house of the rod. Is the rod tube made of tweed? We're actually developing a, like an advanced tweed compound. <laughs> I knew it. <laughs> totally I knew it. Yeah. Fused with hemp. Right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. It's a, it's renewable. Renewable. Yeah, so, okay. Yeah. I got it. Got it. Perfect. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, well, you guys just went down to Alabama. Mm-hmm. So I'd love to hear a little bit about that trip and what you guys were doing down there. One and how the fishing was, you guys did some smallmouth fishing. You did some largemouth fishing. How was the trip? Like I got to hear about it. My mind was blown. Like I've never done, I've, I've dabbled in warm water, but nothing really serious. And, and growing up in Colorado, like our warm water is fairly limited. It seems like it's getting a bit better, but dear God. H- had you ever, before this, have you ever taken a dedicated warm water fishing trip? Never. Not like I'm going to go warm water fishing today. No. Like I'm going on a trip to go warm water fish. Just salt water would be the closest. Yeah. Yeah. How much time have you spent? in alabama or like smallmouth fishing i mean i've only gone down two or three times really to alabama three yeah three 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 times uh viewers can fact check us yeah (laughs) (laughs) but i think it's three yeah and then i've done a little bit in uh in north carolina very very minimal okay but which is crazy to think i feel like i've done it a lot when i haven't but i've just when i've been there and we we did it we were fishing so hard, so it felt like we were there for yeah, yeah. You know, so long. I heard that. Yeah. <laughs> and I think I just, I loved it so much. Kind of like you're saying, my mind was blown because I never considered it. I never considered Alabama as a, as a destination that I want to go fish and, or smallmouth. I don't know why there's this, just mi- these misconceptions in the yeah. air. People whoever, are just wrong. Whoever I just threw know. them in the air, the fish gods to protect the smallmouth. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. But yeah, yeah, I loved it, man. So my favorite part about it was, well, for those of you that don't know, trout, I, I trout fish and I prefer very heavily to fish trout with streamers, large streamers and seven weights. That's kind of my favorite way to do it. Well, so conveniently smallmouth like to eat very similar to, (laughs) to a trout, but so we're throwing seven weights on very small creeks and there's like... I don't want to say high pressure, but like you have to get the fly through brush. Like there's trees behind you. So you have to keep your cast low. You have to throw a tight loop to get under branches or through a little hole. And like, it's, it's quite technical casting, um, which is super engaging. It's super fun. And that doesn't mean like you have to be a perfect caster to do it, but the better caster you are means you can get your fly more efficiently into more of the little potential holes and man like i would get done with half a day of smallmouth fishing and i would be fried because like i'm just going and going like trying to hit every little pocket and like you got to be on if you want to like be super efficient about it and well, Man, I love that. We talk. We always talk about you get, like if you get caught in a rhythm, a rhythm with smallmouth fishing or just streamer fishing in general. Oftentimes, you're you might be missing out on stuff. Like you're you're not changing things up, right? You're just doing the same thing over and over and over. 
but yeah, you kind of have to be on and like changing your presentation until you finally maybe get some that clicks. Yep. Yeah, it's like every time you throw it over a log or something, you're like, oh, it's going to come out. It's going to come out. Oh, there it goes. <laughs> <laughs> it's the best. Man, they eat hard. Oh, dude, they and, do. Yeah, it's really cool. They don't, they don't like trout will run for the current and like take a good hard run. But these fish just keep like they Dig will it. swim away from you so hard. It's not like they're taking drag, but they got some heart. They do not want to be in the net. No, dude. <laughs> and right when you hook them, too, it's like gone. gone. So I'll tell the story because it was so exciting. I had my favorite streamer eat ever. Oh, we should, Well, we should start out and say this. We, we were just talking about smallmouth. Okay, this was yeah. not smallmouth. This was Alabama bass. Alabama bass, which is a... Well, if you it's, want to if you want to know more about it, you got to go watch our podcast that we did <laughs> with the guy that literally wrote the book on, on Matt Lewis yep. from Auburn. He's a fisheries biologist. He literally like wrote the book on a on lot of these, eye, on yeah. a lot of these bass in uh, South Alabama. So, anyways, we were fishing with these guys in South Alabama, fishing for Alabama bass, which is which like a spotted bass. Looks, acts, lives, is identical to a spotted bass in every way, other than I guess the. It's actually genetically different. Yeah. But so these things are extremely ferocious. And so that's what Brent and I were doing. (laughs) So my favorite streamer eat ever, I I had cast across the current, stripped through some pockets, and my fly was swinging down at the bottom. And as the fly swung, it goes towards the surface and the fish comes up and I'm like lifting to help get the fly to the surface a little quicker. And the fish comes up and eats and misses. So naturally, like, I trout set. Yeah. Nice. Of course. So the fly's <laughs> gone. And I go, shoot. Like, I slap the fly down probably eight feet to the left because I just missed this fish. It was a, And it was a good fish, too. It was a good fish. Well, that fish made a 90-degree turn and hunted that fly down. It jumped out of the water and ate my fly on entry back into the water. No it, like, way. Pile drive the fly back into the water. Oh my it was God. the most aggressive thing I've ever seen a fish do. A shark week shit. <laughs> Dude, you can't make that up. No, it was, it was awesome. Yeah. So anyway, those fish are super fun and aggressive. And like, if you like streamer fishing, that's, that's up there. Damn. Yeah. As far as freshwater goes. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> it was insane. So so cool. So it's just a Alabama bass is a type of largemouth. No, it's a different. I, bass. I think they look similar to largemouth, but I know <laughs> nothing about it. They're a spotted bass, they're, and then they're that, different. Just like largemouth and smallmouth are different. <laughs> this bass is different than those other bass. Okay, and then there's another bass that lives in the river that's different than those. There's a ton of different bass. There's a bunch of different bass. <laughs> wow. <laughs> More than you know. Like, a lot of people look at that and be like, bass. Bass, <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, but, you know, realistically, it's like looking at two trout and being a rainbow and a brown and classifying those as the same thing. Or, like, you know? a cutthroat and a rainbow would probably right. be easier, yeah. Right. But, totally different. Totally different species. That's super cool. Which is pretty cool that, you know, we... we I think mentioned this too. We went on a fishing trip and I mean, I, how many species of fish did we catch? If, if, and there's people that are into, you know, catching a lot of different species of fish on a fly rod. Yeah. We are multi-species anglers now. Yes. (laughs) Going on a big warm water trip like that, you're going to catch so many different species of fish. Yep. Yeah. Those rivers are chock full of fish (laughs) compared to 
a trout stream that has like sculpin trout <laughs> and maybe like maybe a couple white different fish. suckers yeah and but even then you might not hook any of the other fish more than likely not yeah yeah versus being in warm water you're probably gonna hook some of those other fish right yeah that was a really cool part of it what what's your favorite part of fishing down south you've been there three times <clears throat> i've been there once what what do you take back from that man the food the food is <laughs> chicken is, biscuits is dang good <laughs> yeah i miss some southern food that's for sure I just I love the I mean I'm I'm all in on like anywhere that's like overlooked. I always think that you know, like I always like thinking outside the box in general and I love that the fact that it's a location where not many people are thinking about fishing and even driving by it it doesn't look like much but then you get out on the river and you get to see these runs and you can see the water that's super blue in some areas like really clear and blue. And again, predatory fish, it's kind of hard to beat. Smallmouth, right. they fight. Like the whole thing is is great, but I, I love. I think I also love that there's not as many people on the river because it is yeah. overlooked. You we know? probably saw like we saw one group of other fishermen. Mm-hmm. Were they even fly fishing? No. no, like exactly. There is no one out there. It's not like you jump on the Colorado River and there's you're going to see ten to fifteen guide boats throughout your float. Yeah, like you're the only ones that are probably going to fish that entire stretch that day. Yeah. Really, that week. I feel like now I'm appreciating more and more that aspect of fly fishing or just fishing more than really the fish that I'm actually targeting. It's like, let me get out there with the boys and let's just have a peaceful yeah. afternoon with, and not seeing anybody. Like if, yeah. if you run into a bunch of boats and all these people who are like, Oh, upset, you know, mm-hmm. to see you on the river, that doesn't make the experience as fun. Yep. Maybe you're not catching as many, maybe you're catching a different species, but it's you're you're alone and you're like in nature and i don't know i love that part of yeah. it yeah i think you got to have both because like i have learned to have fun and enjoy the like you know maybe you know the guy on the boat that's floating past you it's like yeah true, hey, dude, true. How, like how is you doing today like are you guys having fun so you can you can find joy and and like being out with like a large collective of people but it doesn't replace the like the solitude and mm-hmm you know, being out there with just you and your core crew. So you kind of got to balance it now because it is getting bigger and more busy, which there's, there's plenty to go around. Don't. Yeah. Yeah. But I think that is another thing that's important now is if you are on the river, like make it feel like a community type of thing instead of it feeling very like being standoffish. Right. You know, like welcoming, you know, maybe see a new dude on the river. What's up, man? How's it going? Like, what's your name? How, How are you fishing? Like, how's it going for you? I think that makes everyone as a whole feel a lot more. Yeah. It's way included. more enjoyable than like, dude, I'm fishing here. Get out of here. Yeah. 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 I'd rather someone come up and be like, what's up, dude? How are you? You mind if I slide in in this next run? It's like, well, I really been looking forward to that one. Why don't I leave this one and go do that? Or like, you know, it's much more enjoyable versus just like yelling at each other and yeah, you know, getting pissed <laughs> and from my experience in, in Eastern Tennessee, which is now getting really busy from what I've been told. You know, if you're like, if you make a bad impression on someone, the next time maybe you pass that person, it's going to, or I should say, if you make a good impression on someone, right. And you're, you're nice to them or whatever, maybe the next time you pass them on the river or whatever, like, you know, you're not going to like, you're not going to try to get in this hole. Right. Right. Or if, or that person's not going to try to get in your hole. Right. They're going to be nice. They're going to be, uh, respectful of your, your space and everything. So if you're, but if you're maybe a dick or something, that might yeah. be a different story. Then there are going to be rocks flying into your hole next time. Yeah, exactly. 
So, so you guys were down there though in Alabama, and uh, I think what was cool something y'all were telling me about was just the community down there in Birmingham because you guys went to the film tour and got to meet some of the the kind of the fishermen down there, and it seems like they've got a pretty thriving little fly fishing community down there starting up. Yeah, and that's part of kind of what we. One of the reasons we wanted to go down there in the first place was kind of to shed a little bit of light on how cool that it really is that there's that it's a small, I mean, it's a pretty small community percentage wise. There is not many fly fishermen, right? And especially compared to somewhere like Denver or Bozeman or Salt Lake, you know, you think of these places that have that the film tour stops at maybe even Atlanta because there's that so many people in Atlanta, but like South Alabama just doesn't have that many people like and especially the amount of people that fly fish is low but there were so many people at this event that were just so hyped up to have a an event in alabama that was centered around fly fishing that like everyone was so stoked and they were all so passionate like genuine passionate and like doing things for the right reasons it was really really cool to see there hadn't been like this big influx of ego down there. Like you might find in let's say the keys or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So it, man, it was really refreshing to see just like passionate people, excited people and genuine, nice connection through, through the fly fishing world. It was, it was Mm -hmm. awesome. Yeah. And a place that you wouldn't ever, unless you're from around there, you would never think like, Oh, Birmingham, middle Alabama, South Alabama, whatever, has this super cool group of people who are into this that, you know, they are into it just as much as the guys in Bozeman, but there's way less of them. But then, yeah, again, like the people that are there are super excited, passionate, and I think it, I don't know, I think it's a little different. Like we were kind of saying, maybe you you go in Salt Lake, you walk in a brewery or something you go to the bar here and there's probably four or five other people in there that fly fish that you could potentially see another sims hat and walk over strike up a conversation with someone right verse in alabama that doesn't really exist and so i think people were just so excited to be be surrounded by it that it was all about fly fishing yeah and they couldn't believe that kenny powers had walked in the door i heard oh god Kenny Powers didn't even make it in the door. <laughs> we were trying to film a podcast, and, and I, I unfortunately had to like run through everyone to the back because I knew that, like I, like we were we late. Were on a, we were already late, believe it or not, because we'd fished that day. <laughs> Crazy! Wow! Wow! You guys the thought <laughs> so. <laughs> so we were already late. I mean, anyways, and so I had to like kind of get as quick as I could to the back so that we could get this podcast done before the paparazzi knocked. (laughs) (laughs) No, that's like your people though. It was the Alabama people like he's home. (laughs) (laughs) He's here. He's here. Everybody. (laughs) No, no, it was all. I mean, you, you know how it is. It's, It's awesome meeting people that are excited to meet you, but there's no reason you should be excited to meet me because I'm, just the big dumb no, one. I'm not I'm just, I'm just, I'm the, the big, big dumb, dumb one. one. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Reddit. The big dumb one from Reddit. If you ask, if you ask whoever posted that, <laughs> my wife loves that. By the way, thank you for posting that. Yeah, yeah. Shout out to that guy, <laughs> Flyslinger X four five on Reddit. <laughs> <laughs> he just. <laughs> but uh, no, it's it it's 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 really cool. You know, especially 
people being hyped on what you know we've done and you know i think kind of especially uh you know like sims is in bozeman and you know people support sims and you know probably feel some sort of loyalty to that or you know g loomis and washington and what you know whatever so i think it's it's kind of cool that in because blue line alabama you don't have like what other fly companies are really from alabama there's not many Right, couple guys guy. There's one small rod main rod person mm-hmm. in central Alabama. But anyway, so uh, anyways, there's just not a lot fly fishing happening, and so I think a lot of people, especially because of our market, you know, is yeah. centered around the local fish and the local fishery, bringing attention to these local fish mm-hmm. that I think a lot of people have kind of connected to that, and so it is really cool to be able to see like people that are excited about what i'm doing because i'll be on the computer and i'm like what the hell am i doing yeah why am i doing this yeah like am i every yeah you get that <laughs> all the time. My time yeah what am i doing am what i heck <laughs> yeah it is it does feel gratifying though when someone comes up to you and they do appreciate what you're doing and they like look yeah. up to you in some sort of way you shouldn't you know? but you shouldn't <laughs> yeah. yeah but but yeah you know people in there you know have be genuinely excited about what we're doing makes me excited about what i'm doing yeah so. And I think some with the flies too, that's like such a, like we're saying a specialization thing, a niche, even within the fly fishing world, that's a very niche thing for that market that is starting to grow, right? It really wasn't much of a market when you started out, but there was a need for it, for someone to prioritize warm water fishing and the the patterns that you're, you're using. And, you know, obviously you've been able to expand into trout and other, other species eventually, but starting with that core is really important. Right. Yeah, like the tickle monster. Is Ooh. that public knowledge? No. Is it will be very soon. Cut soon. that. Cut that. We. I think it's soon enough where it can be at Br Pat's tickle monster. Yes, <laughs> but that is like oh. a very purpose built fly for a very specific way of fishing. Yep. And, and there's only one person <laughs> who could fish it. Yeah, Br Pat. <laughs> right, and it's at Br Pat. He yeah. fishes the hell out of the tea. So we're so we're headed to go fish, and I told Brent, <laughs> I was like. This is the only fly Bryant's going to throw today. He well, will not throw to anything else. <laughs> I was trying to decide, like, oh, well, maybe we should fish white on one rod and, and brown and orange like, nope. on another. And I was he's like, like, nope. nope. There's only one fly that's this. <laughs> you can throw whatever you want, but there's only one fly that Bryant's going to throw today. Guaranteed. He sat, he sat in the back of the boat, and he freaking cleaned up on me and Brent. Picked my pocket all day. <laughs> all day. Bryant's dirty dangling the tickle monster through these holes and it's so funny we'll be going through really good water but it's not tickle monster water brian will just hang it up be like yep i'm not even fishing <laughs> you fish it i'm not even fishing he'll yeah. drink a red beer or whatever eat some snacks not worth and, my energy yeah not even worth it but then we'll get to that tickle monster hole and you just you, you can see it you can see it coming he's scheming he's You're like start stripping line off in my ear and then you put up your rod because you know you're not. Yeah, gonna because you know you might as well put just it up. Forget if the tickle it. monster's yeah. going to be in that hole. It's not eating anything else but the tickle monster. Well, what happened a couple times is like Bryant would hook a fish on the TM, and he'd be fighting it up towards the surface, and another one, another fish would come up chasing it to see what's going on, and then you could cast your other fly and that was obviously <laughs> worthless in there and catch the other fish. But like that happened several times where the tickle monster just like. Okay, they actually ate that. Now they'll eat. The now leftovers. let me catch the dumb one. Yeah, catch the stupid one in there. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I don't know what it is about that fly. Oh, it's so just the I think because it isn't it. Uh, its body. What you call that? It's like it's articulated. Yeah, it's articulated it, uh, crawfish. Yeah, yeah. It or looks is it like crayfish? a turd. 
It looks so yeah. bad. <laughs> that will not catch fishermen, but holy smokes, it wrecks that, fish. That is honest to God. So, you know, we, I've talked about this multiple times in the past too, but like, you definitely walk this really weird line with what we've done where you not only, you've got to create flies that work and catch fish, but you've also heard like there's flies that catch fish and there's flies that catch fishermen or whatever. And one of the problems is some of the, some of our best flies personally that I think are our best patterns, people don't buy because they don't look good. Like they don't catch fishermen, but holy shit, they catch fish. That's the TM. And the tickle monster is unfortunately right in that zone where you look at it. You're like, I saw it and was like, no way, dude. I wouldn't, I would not tie. They called it the tickle monster. (laughs) (laughs) What? What? At BR Pat only fishes this? They're out of stock already? (laughs) Who bought all of these? Brian, they're not even going to make it on the shelf. (laughs) That may never say in stock on the website when the Tickle Monster comes out. I think people have to order the day of. I I honestly think, like, I'm trying to figure out how I'm going to market this thing because nobody's going to buy it off the pictures because it doesn't look good. But I designed it to catch fish, not to catch fishermen. And, and that thing slaps. I don't think that, uh, I don't know, heck, maybe we'll just link this podcast to it. Yeah. People can <laughs> just a learn segment. about it. But it's, uh, yeah, so that's kind of a weird, kind of a weird, like, dynamic that you go through kind of trying to create flies. But. I mean, we took it down to Alabama last year. It wrecked. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I can't wait to try one on trout if at BR Pat will give me one of them. Oh, because he owns the entire nation's inventory. That's right, he has the entire inventory. Yeah, even even if I tie one, it immediately it disappears. <laughs> so <laughs> it's not it's box. not it's not COVID anymore. It's it's actually just Bryant. Yeah, right. we have a Bryant problem. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I can't cite inventory issues with that. Nope. No, well, actually, no, it is the reason. The reason I don't have them is because the. I use this really specific brush to get that modeled look, mm-hmm. you know, because and I think that's a really big part of that fly is it's not like one color. Yeah, it's all those different colors. And so I use this brush that is out of stock <laughs> but due to COVID. But anyways, I think the funniest thing was when we were fishing it last year because it was still an R&D pattern. It was an R&D last year. And you year. only had a couple. It was like, if you get caught on a log, you're getting it. You're swimming to <laughs> you're get swimming that. to get it. They, takes so long to tie yeah <laughs> that's the reason uh, there's not that many of them in production the in classic the world, classic tm dude Gosh. but we fished one all day long and the next day and the next day we didn't literally one. one fly like that's part of the magic of the design of that is like you can get it unstuck super easy yeah but it doesn't come out of fish's mouth because well, if you roll cast and that articulated body yeah, like, and it flips yeah, because yeah. the weight on the other because the hook and the weight are on opposite ends that weight flips over the other side of it and Unhooks pulls it. it up. There's your it's, marketing campaign. Yep. <laughs> that fly is incredible. Not only does it catch fish. <laughs> but it doesn't catch logs. <laughs> <laughs> and it won't catch you when you look at the picture of it. Yeah. <laughs> you're not going to buy this. <laughs> you won't buy it. <laughs> the Venn diagram of like catching fishermen versus you got to find the middle. Right. Middle right. No, this thing is like far on the catching fish <laughs> side. <laughs> like it doesn't come close to that middle area. <laughs> But I knew because of how good it is and how much I don't want to tie them anymore, I had to I had to get it produced. Yep. Mm-hmm. I think it's going to be good. Anything else we can say about the, the upcoming blue line drop? Uh, oh, dear. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. Yeah. <laughs> no, uh, I, I hate to cite it because, but it's, it's what I'm getting fed. 
I, I can't get materials. I can't get like there's labor shortages and all that kind of stuff. That's not blue lines. Le- co- not citing COVID labor shortages. That's what is getting told to me by my manufacturers and suppliers for all like, you know, you're passing the buck. I'm passing the buck along, which is a, <laughs> extremely unfortunate because I wish I wasn't. Yep. COVID is not affecting blue line as far as getting you products, but me getting products is, is still that supply chain is still really messed up and uh, materials are out of stock, labor shortages and, gas prices shipping stuff is getting more expensive that i'm kind of having to work through all the time and so anyways we do have 30 i think it's 30 new patterns coming that's it's 14 flies but there's 32 new design between colors and sizes there's 32 new skews coming that's a big drop big drop that is a big drop big drop Tickle Monster being two skews because you can get it in two colors. Oh, at BR Pat only fishes the one color. Though. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> he won't touch the second. But color. he hasn't. And like he hasn't tried the he other. Hasn't tried the other <laughs> he hasn't tried. He doesn't need to. He won't. I was like, Brian, we got to make this an olive, dude. He's like, shut up, dude. I only fish. The I'm TM only fishing in the color. natural color TM. You can go to hell. But That's good. no, anyways, uh, yeah. So we're this pr- summer, right? Well, I was supposed to have some ship really recently that's going to be a restock that doesn't have very much new stuff coming, Um, but they're all in the works. It's just, it literally is any day when they finish the production on them, once they can get all the materials, once all the materials are sourced, and then we can get them shipped. Got it. That's all, that's all we're waiting on, so. So what's like the core of the issue, do you think? Because it's the same with G. Loomis on the supply chain side of things. Mm -hmm. What is the main core of the issue that is slowing everything down in production. Like I've seen it with our apparel and you've seen it with flies. Like, I mean, obviously yeah, COVID happened was a thing and like shut some countries off, but Mm -hmm. I don't know. Do you, do you know like what the issue it's, it's a combo of like, you know, COVID did start the domino. And so now labor's a little harder to get, or like there was a delay in labor. And then there was also a spike in demand. Like, I would say the fly fishing industry is up 180 on average, 150 maybe percent. And so you had a drop in production, a spike in demand, and, you know, we're still recovering from that. And like COVID effects as far as manufacturing goes is not over. Like it's still slowing production down, not only, you know, overseas, but also in the U S in some spots. So. Um, yeah, I mean, high demand and then some supply chain struggles. It, it makes, it makes for a tough, tough time to deliver products on time and to meet the already growing demand. Like no one forecasts for a 60 to 80% increase year over year. Right. You know, you're probably for an aggressive forecast might be 20 to 25%. So a growth of the industry. Well, or s- yeah, but you could sales. like whatever company you work for, like we're probably not going to forecast more than like if I sold a hundred rods last year, I'm probably not going to expect to sell 125 or 130 the next year. Like I'll probably, that would be an aggressive forecast. Well, we've sold or would have sold 180 rods this year. So I would have already been short 50 rods. Right. Yeah. So, and then, and not just, you know, on the materials aspect, 
obviously I'm not trying to sell materials, but I need the materials to get the pies done. And it's the same thing between me and, you know, other potential fly companies or fly shops that are retailing this stuff too. Just what exact thing Brent said is, okay, well, look, we sold 10 packets of this fiber last year. Let's order 12 of them this year. And everybody did that. And, you know, so, but the manufacturer, I, I'm sure said the same thing. Well, we sold a thousand packages of this fiber last year. We're not going to make, make 2,000 this year. Yeah, well, let's make 1,200 of them. And so there's just less of it to go around, especially on the synthetic side of things. Compared to demand. Yeah. Right. But on the even on the naturals side of things, you know, I mean, turkeys still exist. Right. But, you know, you got to ha- get the turkeys, get the feathers, dye the feathers, you know, oh, yeah. package them and all that stuff. And same thing. So whether you're making synthetic f- materials, which a lot of our flies have been s- synthetic materials, or you're making naturals. It's, it's all the same thing. So, and yeah, so I, I think that's a lot of it is the supply chain went down and, and the demand went up, which is why you're seeing such a, right. Yeah. Why well, it feels like, like there's nothing stop. out there. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Do you think, cause I've heard someone say that they're like, yeah, obviously the fly fishing, you know, industry and the outdoor industry boomed in the last two or three years. But do you think you know, I've heard someone say it's going to taper off. Do you think that's true, or do you think it's going to continue to grow? I I think it's going to continue to grow, but we don't know at like what level. Right. So, I man, I'm forgetting the numbers, but I think we sold like sixty percent more fishing licenses than we did last year. So, say there was like a hundred anglers in your state, there was now a hundred and sixty during oh, COVID. Yeah. Well maybe half will continue to buy fishing licenses throughout the rest of their life. So you're going to have half drop off. So you're going to lose 30 of the new 60. So now we have, you know, 130 people versus like the COVID peak was maybe 160. So I do think there are going there's going to be some drop off as we return back to more normal, like work life, whatever. Um, but I don't think it's going to be like, Oh, well like, I fished before COVID I fished after COVID or like I'm going to quit fishing after COVID. I don't think that's going to happen. Right. It's like net it's going to grow, but we may have had like a little, the person that, yeah, the person that tries it during COVID because there was nothing else to do. Mm -hmm. And then they're like, okay, well it's not for me. Yeah. But I mean, I I don't, there's a lot of people that are still going to continue to dabble, even mm-hmm. if they're not like going full into it. So, and with the flexibility of people's jobs now, mm-hmm. being able to work remotely yeah. and all that, I mean, there's just going to be inherently more people curious or interested in that kind of thing. Definitely. So, yeah. taking a pit stop. I am. Do you want to reset cameras? Let's do, let's do a quick pause doing. for because I'm going to do the same. <laughs> pause. All right. I'm well, reloading. Are we officially back from intermission? Yeah, we we just had a little little intermission little bathroom break yep. yep that was nice had to drain the tank the the coffee flows dude the beans and brew coffee. and Ooh. didn't you get didn't you get like a red eye bass bag of coffee oh yeah i did i need to try that but i also i smelled like, really I good. don't want to try it because i really like the bag and yeah like you want to leave it as like a keepsake i know it's a problem what's this red eye bag thing the red eye bass blend that so remember uh, how like Kenny Powers couldn't even walk through the event to get to the record the podcast. Oh yeah. Well, like he's getting offerings, gift offerings now as well. 
like a bag of coffee. Oh, wow. Which smells delicious. God brought me. Th- so they did uh, a coffee roaster, I guess. I, I don't know. I don't know what you call it if it's not alcohol. <laughs> it's not if it's a, not a distillery a, a roast, yeah a coffee roaster i don't know a coffee brewery it's a, it's still, it's a roaster. the coffee still Bre- yeah distillery? Co- the coffee distillery yeah um these folks did a uh red eye bass blend for the uh event that we were going to as part of a so the f3t event that was hosted in alabama actually wasn't like an official stop on the f3t tour because why would the f3t go to alabama right but so these guys all kind of came together and said, well, we're, we're going to host a film, got a brewery involved, and uh, they hosted it because, of course, like Trout Unlimited, I think, exists in this. I don't know. People are probably going to yell at me on the internet, yeah. but here we go. People, <laughs> the, Trout Unlimited exists in Alabama, but it's kind of pointless because they don't spend any money in the state of Alabama. So, and they, there's no projects for them in the state of Alabama. Isn't there some stocking programs? Uh, yeah, we don't talk about that. Yeah. I don't think it's I don't think you want anything to do with Alabama bass or Alabama trout. No, you don't. Uh, anyways, besides the point. <laughs> um, so there, but there are some really great river keepers and some different things like that. Um, and the Native Fish Coalition of Alabama is really big, and that's way more impressive to me because that's gonna you know those are that's protective native fish, not just trout. Which is, you know, obviously what Trout Unlimited does because it's right there in the name. So, a lot of different local companies from there all kind of came together. Like, we donated some stuff. A, a lot of people donated things for fundraisers. Uh, like, Hank donated some of his art. Um, anyways, things like that yeah. for uh, to raise money for the Native Fish Coalition. These guys did a red-eye bass coffee blend. That's cool. And it was good. That was smells good. That was a long-winded way. Wait, to well, put well, that. I no, want to, I want to tell the people no, but, about what was going on. Yeah, so was, I'm I'm curious if because uh, that has to do something with like not having a big trout unlimited. Right? There's no bass unlimited that is prioritizing native smallmouth streams or largemouth streams, but, but maybe maybe there are like local organizations. There's the the biggest one is probably that one in the Ozarks, the Ozark Smallmouth Alliance. But there's like there's huge huge money going into like the lake largemouth bass fisheries, right. but the streams and and creeks get overlooked a ton down yep. there. It yep. seems like very true. So. Yeah, yeah. That's that is one thing about like the fly fishing community down there is like the guys at the forefront of it seem very passionate and concerned about like conservation and as they should. I mean, like, it, it's great to start from the ground up with conservation. Mm-hmm. And not that that community is, like, new in the last couple of years, but it seems like it's growing a lot in the past couple of years. Yeah. So, I'm also, I, I feel like the local conservation groups, you know, groups that are in your area, I feel like you're going to have you helping them out or donating to them. There's going to be a much bigger impact that you can see than maybe just donating to a bigger organization not to say that's bad but i feel like you're going to make a bigger impact especially at your local level that you would directly benefit from i guess right you know it'd be easier to see that way versus just like being a drop in the bucket of tu where you might not know what's happening but you know you hope that they're doing the right things Mm -hmm. Sorry. Well, I mean, and I guess, you know, on the flip side, you'd say, you know, a lot of there are local TU chapters that, you know, might have more 
more funding, you know, more say. Right. And like, oh, like if I'm in my local, I go to my local TU chapter meeting, and we're sponsoring this river re- restoration project. Like, you know, that's 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 good too. But mm-hmm. but there's just no big overarching right smallmouth unlimited right right like yeah uh, your yeah. local chapter of Charter unlimited is probably gonna you know help working with them you're gonna see more of an impact on your area but right right yeah i want yeah um yeah i one of the things i was telling i was kind of noting to brand as well i just it's a little different to me when we get, when i go back to alabama to fish versus like you know really unless you're catching in very selective spots in the u.s rainbow trout Potential, you know, steelhead, I guess, and salmon stuff is in there, or you're in kind of specific spots out west catching cutthroat. Every other trout in the U.S. Well, brook trout, sorry, brook mm-hmm. trout in the east, like everything else is introduced. So if you're catching brown trout in the U.S., I mean that fish didn't. This hasn't been in that river, like for it's a very wild long. fish, but not a native fish. If exactly. you watched Scotty's last video, you'd know that. Well, there you go. <laughs> there you are. So, but, you know, I think it's kind of cool that there's nothing introduced in these rivers. You know, we're not, I mean, yeah, I go all over the place to catch brown. Yeah. But, you know. But in the Alabama rivers, they're like, those are native species for the most part. That fish has been there for however long that fish has existed. Mm -hmm. However long that river's freaking been doing its thing. I mean, there's fish that are swimming around in there. You know, it's really, you know, it's really funny. So in this in this last video that I was editing, that part that you're talking about for native fish, uh-huh. uh, I I said something in there that's like, you know, it's really cool fishing for the native fish because these fish have been in here forever, right? Or they've been in the stream forever. I was showing my girlfriend this the before I uploaded it, and before I had said uh, these these fish have been in the river for ions. And I meant to say eons. <laughs> she, I never picked up on it. And I was done with the video. And I was like, yeah, that's a great talking point, Scotty. Good job, dude. Wow. Like Historian over here. And she's like, hey, uh, I don't think that's the right word. <laughs> Unfortunately, I was able to I cut right. it out and use something else. But that would have been... Good talking that, point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You'd have got roasted on the meme I pages gotten about that. Roasted. <laughs> yeah. You'd have like... Newton with Scotty's face put over <laughs> <Yeah>. it. <laughs> Doing some chemistry with ions. Yeah. Speaking oh. of, though, uh, very good transition into the, the meme pages. <laughs> what do you guys, uh, or how do you guys feel and what do you guys think about, about meme pages? Because there's starting to be a lot more meme pages there in, are. in the fly world. Yeah. I, I'll go first. Go, step up. We need some light. hot takes. Yeah. So, in general, I love them. Like, I think most of it is harmless fun and, like, jokes that hit home a little too hard sometimes. <laughs> yeah. But, like, when they start roasting one person for, like, posting something on Instagram that they don't agree with, whether it's, like, a CBD sponsorship or whatever, like, I don't think that needs to happen. But, man, there's some just funny, relatable, like... Some gold. Just gold out there. So, <laughs> overall, I'm for it there's going to be good and bad of everything, but yeah, man, the jokes are hilarious when you're just like stuck behind the computer and you scroll for a little bit and you just get, yeah. <laughs> you just get to laugh. For good- yeah. I, I love a lot of the ones that are, you know, like you said, harmless fun, like poking fun at things like, you know, I haven't seen any thing mean about us or whatever, but except for the big eh, dumb one, there's been the big some, dumb one. 
There was some well, questionable. Some questionable, <laughs> yeah, but not, I don't know. I haven't seen any questionable memes, though, I guess. I've seen some comments that were maybe not. I don't know. I heard nice. you guys are spot burners. <laughs> well, <laughs> apparently. People do say that we're spot burners, which doesn't make a lot of sense to me, but that's hey, okay. It's all right. Yep. Um, but. That's their opinion. Yep. Yeah, not mine. And you're entitled to that. But anyways, the. I don't know. I I like the ones that are like, when their antics are cheeky and fun, not mean and hurtful. Yes. Right. But you can definitely tell some every once in a while there will be one that's pretty mean. Yeah. And then, but there may be some that are some of the like I feel like that are mean and targeting someone in specifically. Right. Sometimes you can tell it's like a little off. Like they've really tried really hard to make something and it it didn't quite hit. Yeah. Yeah. And then it it shows up as more like mean and right not as funny. Yeah. But, but that's part of comedy is like yeah. towing yeah. that line of like, I got to push it to the edge to be funny, but totally, right, you know, right. some person interprets it wrong and then it's bad, mm-hmm. but there's like some that are just pure hateful, which whatever, get right. those out of there. But it is, yeah, it is comedy at the end of the day. And I <laughs> yeah. think it appeals to such a specific niche <clears throat> and only if you're a flat fisherman or you understand that world, do you understand the meme? Right. And that yes. is, that's kind of the beauty of memes in general. Yeah, you know, yeah. Like so few words, but so much gets transferred through those. Yes, movies. yes. <laughs> and it's something that's so relatable that, it, you, again, you don't need many words. You're just like, oh my gosh, that's so freaking yep. true. <laughs> oh god, I. That's why we brought the meme of the day thing, which we need to yeah, we need bring to back bring hard, back quick, but. Oh man, I I can't I don't yeah. There's, there's too many good ones out there. There's some really funny ones. I like the ones that are intentionally being fun. But did you see if Steve made it on a yeah the Steve the Steven meme. one was good. <laughs> that <laughs> one was hilarious. I gotta pull this one up. What did it say again? Was it the Pikachu? Yeah, it was him wearing that Pikachu hat with the with the bull trout, and uh, he was just like. It was like, mom, go play with the neighbor. It's then- me. I'm I'm so bored. My mom, why don't you go fish with the neighbor kid? And then the neighbor kid, and it's just Steve <laughs> with, with a, a Pikachu, Pikachu hat, <laughs> Pikachu hat, no shirt, holding a bull trout. <laughs> it's like go fly fishing with the neighbor kid. Yeah, he was asking Anyways. for that. Yeah. He just oh, doesn't yeah. care though. That's no, like, well, well, that's yeah, what's and, so great about and it. That's like a that's like a funny. That was a good one. Like, yeah, that's like, yeah, Yeah. I mean, that's that's a funny. Right. Not hateful. Not hateful Mm -hmm. meme that they made. Yeah. Spot on. I also think you can't take the internet that seriously. Yeah. If you do, you're, you're not going to have a fun time. Because I have in the past. And then, but I'm starting to learn more and more how to deal with mean comments or, you know, pushback or hate or whatever. You kind of just. All the mean comments are me on your videos yeah yeah i have 30 or 40 burner YouTube accounts, accounts that x, I just x fly oh that's me angler yeah that's you. 69 69 okay that's you yeah how yeah. is that like do has that had an effect on the content you put out like do you censor some things or not put you know other things out there because you're worried that people might be mean about it maybe it's not that you did anything wrong but like how does that influence what you put out I mean, I try to be, well, for the comments sake, I mean, I, I do read the comments um, for the most part. I don't always respond to the comments and I try not to read into them too much, but I like to, I like to have an idea of what the audience is saying, right? Cause there's some, some that are great. Thank like great video. Love this, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. That's a great comment, but it doesn't do anything for me, but it's the comments that are like, 
oh, I really like how you, you use a little bit less music this time, or I really like this aspect. Like maybe I was trying something new with that film mm-hmm. and someone commented about that. I'm like, okay, so people did recognize that change and they liked that. And, so then I can apply that to the next the next film. And like we did those, like from the short bus, that was really useful for us because we had that cooking scene in the first short bus film. And we got so many comments that were like, like, you know, Joe Rogan says like post something and never look at the comments. Right. But if we hadn't looked at the comments, so many people were like, Oh, the cooking scene was, I don't know, funny. I liked it. A lot of comments about the cooking scene. So that's, we were like, Oh, we're onto something here. We need to make sure that we continue doing these cooking scenes. Mm -hmm. Right. Totally. And actually filming them. Yeah. 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 And I think just understanding like your audience, right. And usually the mean comments that come in, Oh, you, you spot burner or like, why would you, you drive all this way to catch small fish? Like I get that sometimes. <laughs> I'm like, this guy clearly has never seen any of my videos. They, he doesn't get it. It you makes know? me happy. And yeah. I like being happy. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so those you just kind of ignore, you know, it's, it is what it is. May, yeah. I honestly, if there are mean ones that maybe get me triggered a little bit, I'll just delete them <laughs> because I know that if yeah. I leave it there, I'll try to think back and respond, but, and then it'll affect what you put out next. Yeah. That's never the, it's never the right thing to do. Yeah. I don't think like huge fly fisherman, Ben, mm-hmm. he responds and like trolls all his, trolls his, the his comments. Yeah, trolls the mean comments and it's like back. a part of his brand now. Like right. he puts it on Instagram. I think it's hilarious. <laughs> yeah. Those that's, are good. That's not quite my approach to it, but doesn't mean it's wrong. Well, <laughs> there's, there's room for everyone. But I also uh, like to think of the, there's like a Teddy Roosevelt speech, like the man in the arena speech. Mm-hmm. And essentially it's, he's talking about, you know, people that are in the arena, f- like every day they're, they're fighting, you know, they're, they're putting the work in. Those aren't going to be the people who are commenting. Right. Right. So like someone who's grinding away, trying to make films, trying to figure out their style, figure out the, their process. They're not going to be the ones commenting. The, the people who have, never picked up a camera and maybe are like envious or jealous of the trip. That's probably gonna be the person who's like going to comment. So you have to look at it that way too. It's and be like, all right, whatever. I'm not going to take criticism from that person. But if like Adam gave me some criticism, that's like, Hey dude, I think this little spot in the video, maybe we should tone back on that. Or maybe we should, should have added this. Like I'll take that criticism. I'll take that criticism from you. Yeah. Yeah, Like, yeah. Anything that someone puts up that's actual constructive criticism, Whether it's good or bad. Yeah, whether it's good or bad. I mean, Mm -hmm. hey, I love the cooking videos or, hey, I didn't like this part of the video. Like, that makes more sense than just someone that posts something that's just blatantly just negative. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't like the big fat one. (laughs) The big dumb one. (laughs) The big dumb one. (laughs) Get it right. Hey, no carb diet, baby. Not fat anymore. I'm I'm getting on it. But, yeah. I mean, I think that's hilarious. But still, like. like, But that's how you have to approach it. You have to, like, laugh at it. If you can laugh at yourself, then. Yeah, I'd laugh at just about anything. I know. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I mean, I think that I think that's very true. Like it, anything that's actually offered as constructive, I feel like we receive. Or I mean, obviously he, you're you're the one making them, but you know he, we collaborate a lot on the ideas mm-hmm. and, and like the shot lists and things like that. And so, kind of coming up with, you know, okay, well maybe this didn't hit home for some people. Maybe this one did. Yeah, you know, whatever. I'd, yeah. yeah, but I think anything that you actually put out there that's constructive is obviously going to be much better received. Or hey, I like the video; like those are nice to see too. Again, that doesn't change how we're going to do anything. But be mm-hmm. like, oh, well, this was well received or whatever. Yeah. But yeah, you, even if you put out something that's remotely constructive, like it is funny know. though. You'll get a hundred 
positive, the most positive comments ever, and you'll get one negative, and that one negative stings oh, so yeah. much harder. <laughs> <That> shit hurts, <laughs> and you well, forget about all those hundred yeah. good comments. Yeah. But that's their point. Yeah, that's the reason they're doing it. Yeah. Oh yeah. <clears throat> And they got you good. They Suck got it. me, man. Ah, <laughs> oh, shit. And I'm sitting over here laughing at my computer. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Getting I, on Reddit again. No, I just hear, I hear him and there go, oh. <laughs> <laughs> got him. <laughs> now I can go to sleep tonight. <laughs> well, but, uh, oh, go ahead. I was going to say, from a creating standpoint and a filming standpoint, I also think you can't take you still have to create stuff that is exciting for you and you have to create for you mm -hmm. i i have to make stuff that's going to excite me or else it's not going to come through exciting and passionate to the audience right yep. so maybe someone really wants to see oh i want to see more cooking this and that just as an example maybe i don't want to insert cooking you've had enough hot dogs and i've had yeah, yeah. I've had enough close-ups of Adam just stuffing a huge hot dog. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think. Do you have a compilation that we could <laughs> put together for that? Just not passionate about filming that anymore. <laughs> I'm just saying, I think that we could really monetize. Wow. Me eating more hot dogs. Only fans. <laughs> there we go. I'm missing. I'm missing out on some. No, money. that's a niche market. That's a very <laughs> Neanderthal niche eats hot dog. <laughs> The big dumb one eats hot dogs. <laughs> Kirkland brand Kenny Powers eats hot dogs. <laughs> I love that. Um, yeah, but you got to create stuff that makes you exciting. You got to fish stuff that it makes you excited. That's mm -hmm. the same thing. Yep. If you're not fishing, like if you're just going to go fish that same small stream every single time or that same pond every single time just because it gets views, that's when I think it comes across you, you after a while it will come across disingenuine right and you're probably not going to be as happy the 10th time you've shot a video there right yeah so. well i think we could potentially segue that into what are we shooting next Ooh, what are yeah. we shooting next should we give I, a little so tease i know n not a lot i know you guys have a big trip coming up and that's it but you you guys have like a full summer as as far as i'm concerned we can let the podcast audience know a little bit about what we're them. doing. We won't give them all the deets. Before, before the this will probably come out before the trip. Ooh, wow. Oh, so this is a hot take. So yeah. you'll be likely when you're listening to this, we're on the trip. Yeah. We are heading somewhere to do a little bit of a saltwater deal. A little? A little a I shouldn't tiny, say a little. This is teeny, probably the, tiny. This is the biggest, I'd say, most expensive, most logistical trip that we've planned and put together. For sure. Um, you guys are like tits deep in this thing. Yeah, this yeah. has been, we've probably planning been planning this for, I mean, you mentioned the idea over a year ago, but we didn't really have the resources to make it happen until now. Yeah. Um, and I don't even know if we have the resources. That's what I was going to say. It <laughs> sounds like you guys are stretching it out pretty we're, far. We're Way overextended. We're counting on you guys to watch this video and <laughs> help we us out it. a little bit. <laughs> Click the like button and <laughs> watch, watch the ads. Watch yeah, the watch, ads. Make sure you watch these watch ads. all of the ads. <laughs> go buy a short bus hat or something yeah no but we've got a, a really cool saltwater trip planned um with the crew the the short bus crew and yeah we're i is the bus gonna make it the bus is getting let's just say the bus is gonna be transformed transformed a little bit it's gonna be look different i guess i don't know yeah. okay so we'll y'all find out soon enough but we're we're really excited we're gonna go target a fish that I personally have never caught, never caught or fished for. Neither has Brian or Steve. So, so you guys are gonna do well. 
Yeah. Oh, we're going to. You're going to see, if you've seen a lot of, like, us missing fish and getting caught in trees, we maybe won't get caught in trees. Cause there will be no trees to get caught in. <laughs> yeah. But we will be. Botching casts over <laughs> and over and over again. Are you guys going to bring a whiteboard? That is just, cr- like, breaking your eardrums. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <gasps> Lots of bleeps. <laughs> yeah, you're going to be on the other end of the flat somewhere, and you're just going to hear Steven. The other end of the scream. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, you might see Steve without a shirt on. Mm, it may happen. Have to do that. I'm gonna have to do. I'm gonna have to see him without a shirt on. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. Dear God, gross. But that. So that's that trip. Um, yep. You got anything else on that? Do you want to tell the audience? Well, kind of. Go, uh, we had been planning it a lot longer than people were commenting. But that's kind of another one. A lot of com- people commented, "Hey, we want a saltwater trip." Mm-hmm. And that's definitely an interest. Just wrapping back like, in. So I just filmed a a thing down in uh, Buford, South Carolina, red fishing trip and. Dude, every time I saw water fish, I'm like, why do I not do this more? Mm-hmm. This is so sick. It's a bad addiction. Oh, it's bad, dude. It, it, yeah. So this, I know this one's probably going to mess us up, too. We might not come back. Bad. I may, Just stay. I may live there. Just stay. But this summer, Brent and I actually also have a trip planned that we've got. I'm pretty, stoked. Pretty sick trip planned. Yeah, quite on the adventurous side. Very, very much so. Yeah. We tried to convince Adam, but for some reason he just didn't want to do it with Not us. Not doing it. Don't. One day, we'll get him. We'll get him. Like a towy, like a trailer. <laughs> old tra- what are they called, burlies? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Can we talk about that trip at all? Like, what, yeah. do you, what else do you want to say other than just a big adventure? Yeah, we've got, it's going to involve multi-sport. Well, I guess, it, you know, it kind of goes into like the moving out here to Salt Lake, I've been getting a little bit into biking mm-hmm. and uh, I have really, really enjoyed that. And there's obviously a lot of like, I've also enjoyed backpacking. Mm-hmm. So like the bike packing kind of idea was really appealing to me. And so we kind of wanted to set, like, plan something around that, that would, uh, like yeah. an adventure that we're living off <clears throat> tents, living right. off of everything that we have. This one is so exciting for me because like, I mountain biked a lot before I ever even touched a fly rod. And now I'm meeting more people in the fly fishing industry that bike as well. So it's like two of my most favorite things combined and new friends. It's like, I'm super stoked on this one. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> and I'm, I'm stoked. Cause when I threw the idea out at you, cause we're also doing our buddy, Will Phelps, shout out, Will. What's and, up, Will? <laughs> but when I threw the idea at you, you were like automatic. Yes. You're like, yeah. Done. Yeah. When, when yeah. are we doing it? We'll make it happen. Because <laughs> I remember you mentioned biking in Colorado, and I was like, all right, Brent has to come. We, we got to do this. Yeah. Does it, when did yeah. that start, like, biking stuff for you? Dude, I've, I've been biking since I was, like, literally two. And my dad would, at like, when we were really, really young, elementary school, my dad would drive us to the top of these mountain bike trails, and we would just ride down them because he didn't want to pedal to the top. Yeah. So we would be riding these like black diamond mountain bike trails when I was six, seven, eight. Oh my god! It would take us forever. We'd crash a bunch and whatever, but like that's been my thing for quite a while. And then fly fishing took over and now I'm like sharing them quite a bit, which is super fun. Yeah. So, which I think it'll be cool to be able to merge the two together. It just adds such a different adventure element to like a trip. Yeah, and the gear list just goes. <laughs> yes, and your budget goes, and your bank yeah. account goes. <laughs> yep. But I'm a total gearhead, so I was like, the more the merrier. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. 
Oh, dude, I can't wait. Y'all have had me talking to sponsors, and I'm like, I don't know, dude. They're yeah, what? they're riding a bike. <laughs> yeah, what the what the hell is you know they they yeah, know they, cars exist, right? Like we have a Grom. <laughs> There's motors There's in a, bikes. Like they even have that. You're like, not even going to use the technology available. <laughs> you're like purposefully being ignorant at this point. <laughs> <laughs> We're going green, okay? I'm like talking to camping sponsors, and I'm like, dude, I don't know. Like, they're gonna ride the bikes. They're just, they're they're can you do with the what? bikes? And oh. <laughs> I'm look, I'm as confused as you are. <laughs> <laughs> what are we talking about? <laughs> Anyways, yeah, they just said they want to go up a thing, down a thing, and like catch some fish. But okay, yeah, you know, there's roads there. <laughs> you just drive. Yeah. No, I get it. Well, but anyways, that, that's a that's a big one. We've got we've got a few big things lined up because uh, then you and I are going to Alaska. That's right. Finally, never been. She she she. Pretty excited about that one. I know, dude. We go hang out with a lodge up in Alaska and film film a little hype video for them and get them some media content. And, and what about she, and uh, we're gonna put a little video about it out on our channel. What about down south? Um, we potentially have two saltwater trips this year because we may do a redfish trip as well. Wait, that one's on. That's hinge. That's not there yet because it's in my calendar. We're trying to get it. We're trying to figure okay. it out. I'll I'll like change that to pencil from pen. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> you mean pen to pencil? To yeah yeah. Cross yeah. it out with the pen. And then write, write it, it back, back in, in with pencil, pencil, but you can highlight it. Yeah. Yes. Because you can always erase under the highlighter and right. like refill something important. Exactly. Yep. Essentially, without giving too much away uh, for the whole year. Our, so basically from now until, I mean, it's going to be really crazy the next month and a half or two months for us. So I don't, I don't know how consistent we'll be with putting the videos out on YouTube. It's mm-hmm. probably going to be a lot of filming. And then on the back end, there'll be a lot of editing starting in like, or a lot of videos releasing starting kind of July, August. Yeah. So. So brewery events though. Yeah. Keep your heads up. Yeah. For that. Those of you who, uh, we obviously had a ton of people who were really excited to come to the Salt Lake event that we unfortunately had to cancel earlier this year. We had a huge turnout at the one in Denver, which was awesome. To that see was so crazy. Yeah. Um, but so we obviously, we know you guys liked those. We enjoyed doing them as well. So we are planning to do more of them this year. Currently we kind of have four that we've penciled in highlighted or just highlighted straight? with the pencil though. Okay. And, uh, we're working on getting dates and stuff for you guys for that. So, and those are so more like drop a comment where, what town or what city we should, we should go to. Ooh, Let yeah. us know. You got Cause we would love to love to hear where you guys are listening from and where you'd like to, to see us come to. Cause we would, I mean these, I think going back to the film tour thing, like we want to start figuring out ways to, kind of bring the community together yeah right like bring people who are all in the same kind of mindset and bring them and have a fun event and all get together so we're definitely working on that um while working on some other things so Sweet. tell us what distillery we should go to yes <laughs> you can email adam specifically if you have any really in-depth details like yeah. hot tips on distilleries yeah, yeah. distillery tips <laughs> That's where that's where we're gonna be. Adam will be in the back room sampling. <laughs> you won't get to meet Adam. Yeah. He'll be there. <laughs> he'll be there, or he'll be passed out. <laughs> he'll be in the in the hotel. <laughs> no. Like here's the bus tour. Don't mind Adam. He's snoring. But like in the back is where we tie flies. And <laughs> well, all right. Well, 
I I reckon we've we've rambled enough. I think we pulled yeah. on the li- listeners' ears enough today. It's right. My voice box is almost used up, dude. It sounded great. It sounded it's, better. Yeah, it's actually you got, loosening you got up. Better as yeah. it went. You had to <clears throat> get it get it warmed get it up. warmed up. Pull the pull starter. Yeah. Get her fired up. What do you have in there? Like a two little two stroke? It's a it's a big bore. <laughs> Does it run ga- a gas oil mix, or I guess coffee? I'm, the coffee? jetting, the jetting is way wrong for this altitude right now. <laughs> so, all right, to close out, I would like to ask uh, from both y'all, what has been the biggest advice that someone has given you um, about fly fishing, like in in fly fishing? That's helped you out. That you can't make money doing it. <laughs> I might. Take the easy route on this one, but like if you're not catching fish, add a split shot. Oh, like that's a pretty basic tip, but that's a hot take though. Split shot or wait, yeah, but yeah, also split shot. But like, yeah, try changing your depth before you change your flies. Yeah, if it comes to fishing, yeah, and just spend time doing things that you have fun with. You're going to be much more willing to learn if you're enjoying it versus if you're just like hopeless doing something you some type of fishing you're not stoked on so i like that you got two for one right there i won't won't charge you extra yeah i was gonna say shoot (laughs) here's my venmo Uh, yeah link below link below because brent offered two tips so we're gonna have to (laughs) if you feel like that was helpful it's coming straight out of the budget (laughs) i don't know i guess I mean, most of the tips I've ever received fishing were like, you know, cast better or like. <laughs> wow, that's helpful. Do the same, like but uh, better. I hey, <laughs> suck less. So, yeah. Hey, suck less when you're out doing this. And, I, and those really <laughs> hit, hit home. No, I would say for me, it's probably not. I, I guess it's fishing related now. But uh, I obviously applied it to fishing. My dad always told me that there was no point in doing something with your life that you didn't like doing like don't like don't why would you waste your life not you know not that having a nine to five and that kind of thing is a waste but you know do what you want to do and you know don't if you don't like what you're doing then why are you doing it and uh i obviously liked fishing and i ended up applying that to fishing but uh that's probably that's the biggest advice i would say that i've taken a little different than brent's but no that's great i think you've i mean you've also since taken the fly fishing stuff now full-time like with blue line and then working with me with wildfly and short bus stuff in the last year or two and i mean you're probably your well-being and like your happiness has probably gotten way so much better like you're way less stressed i mean yeah look how happy yeah He's just smiling the whole time. <laughs> no, it's great. <laughs> love this. Um, yeah, no, I'd love that though. I think it's so true. I mean, we we wouldn't be doing this for the money. I mean, no, you're not going to make nobody it, does this for the money. You're not making a killing in fly fishing, most likely. Yeah. <laughs> There's very few people that do really well. So yeah, totally. But what's, you, uh, what's your piece of advice? Oh, you probably funny. said it before, but I like I haven't heard it. Yeah, no, that's. Um, I don't know who I got this exactly from, but I feel like just uh, the advice of like, you know, figuring kind of along the lines of what you said, but 
more relating to fishing, like do it, what makes you excited in fishing, like go fish the things that are exciting to you. And I think for a while I was trying to fish what I was supposed to be fishing or what the fly shops told me to fish. But I think that was when it really clicked was when you kind of think outside the box a little bit of like, Oh, there's these, and that's why I was so drawn to small streams because everyone was fishing this, the main stock streams and you show up, there's a million people there and you're trying to fight for holes and stuff like that. You show up at the end of the month, there's no fish, right? Cause they've been fished out. Yep. So like thinking outside the box and then going and exploring these little creeks where you didn't see anyone, or maybe you saw someone here and there and maybe you're catching smaller fish, but it's like you were, I was learning so much more doing that and kind of thinking outside the box taking some knowledge and some advice from fly shops, but then being like, you know what, let me, let me try something that isn't so much what I was told is how you catch fish. That's cool. That's how you build tools for your toolbox of fishing skills. Yeah. And I think it's applied with YouTube and like everything I've done. So totally. Yeah. If you, uh, if something excites you, I think just go after it, man. Take, take the baby steps and then just work your way up. Like it's the only way to do it. You'll figure it out. I like it. Yeah. yeah well, man. Brent, appreciate you stopping in, dude, even with a <laughs> crackled voice. I'm sorry, viewers. That <laughs> voice has been rough. I honestly don't think it's that bad. <laughs> I hope not for their <laughs> sake. <laughs> we'll see. We might have to do a little bit of editing on this yeah. one. <laughs> Auto-tune this shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like I called you on the phone the other day, and I thought someone else had picked up. That was the day I... Yeah, yeah, right after the meeting, it. I yeah. found... Put split shots on. Yeah. <laughs> Hello, Adam. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. All right, guys. Well, appreciate it. Uh, appreciate y'all listening. We're going to try to be uh, more consistent, hopefully come out with an episode, maybe like three to two to four episodes a month. It's kind of the goal this summer. So uh, pay attention to that and check out the Ramblin' Fly if you want some more because those guys are putting out a lot of, <laughs> lot of episodes too. Thank you, Scotty. Ramblin' Fly and on the Blue Line channel as well on YouTube. Yep. And we'll see you guys next time. Thanks. We've been great. You have been great. (laughs) (laughs) Bye.